Ruth chapter 3. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young woman you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, All that you say I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, his heart was merry. He went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. She came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, and you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are all a worthy woman. And now it's true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight in the morning if he will redeem you. Good, let him do it. But if he's not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, Let it not be known that the woman came came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city and when she came to her mother-in-law she said, How did you fare my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me for he said to me, You must not go back to You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. The man will will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Welcome back to another episode of the Ruth Special. This is a McGregor Podcast Special, and I'm joined by Pastor Mark Bricker and Pastor Russell Howard. My name is Chloe Weimer. I am the host of Talk Truth Podcast. If you have listened to part one and two of these episodes and my voice has changed a little bit, it's because a week has passed and I have seemed to have lost my voice. So. Mm. Still going though. Still, still going. Still going. Yeah. Um, a little raspy, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, still, still podcasting. Yeah. So I am um, really excited about this chapter. This has to be my favorite chapter, I think, yeah. because it just pulls you along, like you were just saying, Pastor Mark. And um, once you can't, once you start reading it, it's like you can't stop. Um, but again, we need to begin with the context. So I'm gonna kind of tee this off here and just give a brief history of the Moabites. I'm not gonna go in depth at all, um, but. If you know anything about Lot in the Bible and his incestuous relationships with his daughters, um, they ended up being the bloodlines of the Ammonites and the Moabites. 
Yeah, his uh, his one of his daughters had a son by her dad, uh, and his name was Moab. So Lot is both his father and his grandfather, which is just like way too vertical for a family tree. Um, and out of that came came the Moabites, mm-hmm. and out of his Lot's union with his younger daughter came the Ammonites. So two of the two of the problematic nations of the land of Canaan uh, come out of that goofiness and sin and Lot. Yeah, and the Moabites had kind of a stigma on them for many reasons, um, but that kind of began just a long history of issues, um, and especially because it was a misconstrued sexual relationship, the women also carried and often lived up to the stereotype that they were just sexual loose. they were loose yeah, that's the word that my grandmother would have used there they, we were, go. they were loose women over there in Moab, yeah. Moab land yeah and so I wanted to present just something that I had heard recently because I have read through this story for several years it's I my probably my favorite book of the Bible if I if I had to choose one, and I um, heard this through my professor at um, Southern Seminary. His name is Dr. James Hamilton, and he gave a lecture, just a overview of the Book of Ruth, and he talked about how Naomi in this um, in this chapter she was almost insinuating that Ruth go and seduce Boaz to win him over because her instructions to Naomi are so ambiguous. Um, She just tells her to basically clean herself up, put some perfume and go into the threshing floor. And if you know anything about the threshing floor, it's basically where they would have kept all of the barley and the men after a long, long day of work would have gone in there. And so Naomi knows that Boaz, if he is like the rest of the workers, he'll probably have drank and been married too. Um, But again, I want to, I want to, make a note here that this is this is something that we are kind of reading between the lines on. Right, right, right. And so, but yeah, we're just doing a, a little deeper dive. Well, here's what we here's what we 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 can know. Uh, Naomi's advice in the first paragraph of chapter 3. There's no question her advice is go get him. Mm-hmm. I mean, the 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 cleanest G-rated version you could possibly put on this, it's still go get him. And she has observed this I mean, again, chapter two can be, it's fair to describe both both, uh, Ruth and Boaz's behavior in chapter two as somewhat flirtatious. Uh, I mean, it's all it's all biblical and all, but but they're, they're biblical yeah. flirtation. <laughs> yeah, biblical flirtation. You know, um, that's a new theological term. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it. It serves it'll serve us well. The um, so. Naomi being a sort of third party observer of of the fact that okay you two I mean okay you two how how many how many completely well intentioned and completely moral godly parents have 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 said of of their kiddos in relationships come on come on you two come, you know um, but it seems to me to your point I mean this this whole thing about okay clean yourself up real good put on the perfume and stuff like that it's it's it might be a bit spicier than just, why don't you let him know you're interested? Yeah. You know? And knowing how Naomi was kind of 
spiritually immature. Yeah, we don't see anything before. in chapters one and two that yeah. tell us Naomi is some spiritual giant. Yeah. In fact, maybe for the first time, she's coming out of her depression a little bit here by getting involved a little bit more. Yeah, there's with, something with, going something on here. Going on. Yeah, like, oh, hey, let's do something here. Yeah, because the other daughter-in-law is bugged off in chapter one. We have nothing about her. Yep. We have nothing going on in Naomi's own life mm-hmm. that we know anything about. Yeah. And here, here comes a couple with some romantic prospects, and, and that comes has up with a plan. cultural consequences as well. So yeah. let's get on with it. Those impulses that she's feeling are okay. Yeah, exactly. But she has shot probably, possibly at least, way over the top in uh, in how she's directing they be executed. So this is not yeah, how exactly. you would recommend your daughters to find a husband. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right. clean yourself up and go lie right. down beside him and do whatever he tells you to do. So it's yeah. a good not, opportunity to say this is the difference between a descriptive passage and a prescriptive passage. Indeed. Yes, this is just indeed describing what uh, what yeah. happened here. But I will say that it does remind me of 1 Corinthians, if, if I were to take this approach and like, I'm not, it's not a hill I'm going to die on, but if I if I did die on it, I, it reminds me of 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. And what's really cool is like Ruth still obeyed her mother-in-law. She's in a sense still submissive mm. to her, but uh, God still allows her to obey him and obey both at the same time because she doesn't, she doesn't disobey. She goes and she does, she does this ambiguous thing. I'm sure she cleaned up and I'm sure she smelled nice and she just Followed laid at his feet, but she spoke. Yeah. 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 Obeyed to never, a point though, because yeah, she, yeah, there was nothing in there about proposing to yeah, yeah. Boaz from, from Naomi. So she did take the initiative at that point to say, yeah. This is, and, and perhaps that was her opportunity to say, if there was any thought about this being any kind of encounter other than a non-sexual encounter, then I better be right up front with, with Boaz and say, this is why I'm here. Because he could have gotten the idea. Sure. I sure. wake up, there's a woman laying at my feet. Uh, what's, what, what's the natural thought he would have had if that was the culture back then? And especially if he's, He's dealing, he and she are dealing with particular sort of baggaged up stuff because of her Moabite mm-hmm. ethnicity. Mm, right. yeah. You know, not only is this a is is this a woman who could be perceived to be throwing herself at me, uh, she's a Moabitess, what would you expect? <laughs> and so not only do you have that balance, Chloe, of of uh, obedience and submission to her mother-in-law in terms of she didn't tell her mother-in-law to go take a hike, but she she we, we, here, here's what's given. Regardless of what um, Mama-in-law's Ruth's advice was, or Naomi's advice was, um, Boaz and Ruth did not do anything inappropriate here. Right. Um, and so they, they uh, both demonstrate a ton of character um, because the, the situation in which they find themselves mm-hmm. is a situation where uh, all third-party observers would think immorality fits, yeah. mm-hmm. and, we and, even, they, and they don't. And we even see the discretion that Boaz says, stay here for yeah. now, because getting up in the middle of the night probably would have woke up people, Boaz's servants, whatever, and yeah. all the talk would have gone on. Wandering into the village on yeah. her own. Yeah. Yeah. So stay here, yeah. and then very quietly, before it gets light, he you know, gives her the, the six bushels of, uh, yeah. of, of, not bushels, how many, six? A bunch, Bar- the um, six measures. Measures, yeah, of barley, and yeah. has her go out. But again, he's practicing discretion because he's wanting wow. to make sure <laughs> that her reputation and mm-hmm. his 
are protected because nothing's happened here. I don't yep. know why, but I just now realize I've always thought that he was like just being generous and sending her with more but no, that makes more sense. Like he's he's t- he's giving her the barley as kind of to obscure the fact that she was coming from the threshold. She probably would have liked a nice diamond ring. Kind yeah. Of like, but you know, just kidding. <laughs> I mean, after what she's been through, <laughs> she probably did want one. By the way, I, I, I read somewhere, you know how much that six measures of barley would have weighed? I'm thinking Ruth was a pretty strong woman. About right. 80 pounds. Wow. wow. So even if that's off a little bit, there's a, it's a lot of That's a, a lot. lot that is a lot of barley. Her down with a carry back. So the next thing that I wanted to ask you both was what parallels do you seen have you seen between Boaz and Christ in this chapter? The 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 big easy one is obviously that that Boaz is a is a ready redeemer. You know, he is his his story has brought him to this point that he has both the capacity and the willingness to redeem. Hmm. Uh, you, you can't push it too far. It's not like he is a type of Christ or something like that where you would expect a whole lot of precise lining up. Um, but he's obviously um, interested in pursuing the role of redeemer. And there's nowhere in the passage that anything questions his capacity hmm. to to do that. So. We also see his willingness to sacrifice. Uh, obviously, the taking on a Moabite wife would have not been a popular thing to do. I don't yeah. know what it would have cost him, but just culturally, culturally, yeah, to do that, and taking on Naomi and any of those other things as well. So, just that sacrificial nature of of doing that, as we'll see in a moment, as we look, uh, or as we look at our next episode in chapter four, there's the contrast to the the near kinsman redeemer, and there's a very different approach there and mm-hmm. how they they deal with the situation That's true. yeah i also think his uh just his desire to protect her and provide for her and i was kind of thinking too when you were just talking about boaz about how he um he waited for the perfect time you know to redeem her i mean and, and he was obedient to the father and that reminds me of how christ he didn't even want to be really. He would perform a miracle, and he would say, "Well, don't don't go tell. Like it's either not my time yet. You know what I mean." Yeah. And so, that was even in obedience to the Father. Um, not not again. I don't want to stretch it too far, but no. It it occurs to me just just in the moment that the the role of the legally prescribed role of kinsman redeemer could be executed kind of mechanically. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it, it did not. You didn't. You didn't have to actually care about about the woman at all. Um, you just. You had to. You had to. It's it was even a duty. described. It be a financial the, gain. Yeah, it's it's described in the law as a as a duty. Even yeah, the part of, that, of, yeah. of of conceiving a child with her is you know fulfill your your obligation and your duty. So the whole role could be a duty driven obligation type perspective, and and yet Christ loves us. He doesn't merely hit the but you know hit the checklist of what it takes to redeem us. He actually loves us, and here it becomes very evident that that Boaz actually loves Ruth as well because he didn't have to do this. No, mm-hmm. Christ didn't have to do it, do that <laughs> for us either. Yeah, that's right. No, that's right. We don't deserve it. That's we for don't. Sure. Amen. So thank you so much for listening to this McGregor podcast special. Uh, we hope that you catch the fourth episode and we will see you there please be sure to click like subscribe share it to your friends 
And all that stuff. And all that stuff. All that stuff. (laughs) See you on episode four. This has been a McGregor podcast special hosted and directed by me, Chloe Weimer. Special guests were Pastor Russell Howard and Pastor Mark Bricker, executive producer and editor Christian Miller. The character readings were read by our narrator, Elora Bays, Naomi, Drea Rose, Ruth, Emma May, Boaz, Jake Hastings, and the elder, Asher Edwards. The set design was Trudy Evans, audio technician, Bill Steinbrecher, social media coordinator, Julia Weimer, director of McGregor Podcast, Jeff Eskridge. McGregor Podcast is a ministry of McGregor Baptist Church. For more information, head to mcgregorpodcast.com. Merry Christmas.